Welcome back to the Texture Lounge. I made it. I made it to episode 10 of this season. It's incredible. I've actually really enjoyed all these curated conversations that I've been having with these incredible, incredible women and men, actually, over the last, I don't know, three, four months. And if you've enjoyed this episode too, it would really mean a lot to me if you took a few seconds to rate, review and subscribe to The Texture Lounge on Apple Podcasts. Today is no different. Today is no different. You guys have the pleasure of eavesdropping into a conversation with one of my really good friends, Tara, Tara Bolade. Tara's based in London. She is an architect with a very strong vision. She's going to take over the world. I mean, literally, she is so strong and powerful and has a strong belief system. And we talk about African religion and African traditions and our history as it pertains to where it all began, the motherland. And we talk about this because with everything that's going on right now in the US, what we're seeing a lot of is conversations around slavery. As though slavery is where it began for us. It definitely is not where it began. We have a millennia of history and heritage that we need to rediscover. I found it really, really important in the last few months to unlearn a whole bunch of things. Start asking questions, start reading, start challenging don't just accept what's been given to us don't just accept what's been taught to us in terms of curriculum and all of that now is the time for us to learn about the power and the beauty and the richness of our heritage it was actually this conversation with tara that inspired the piece i wrote called because we did not begin at slavery which i have posted on the website so if you haven't read it go ahead and check it out So be prepared for a super interesting, dynamic conversation. We go all over the place. Architecture, meditation, wellness, and defending your ideas in the corporate space when you are raised in a culture that that does not encourage you to challenge back and speak up. So with that, I'll meet you in the lounge. Don't worry, live your best life. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And live your best life. (laughs) Please. Live your best life. Um, living it. Okay. Um, and just before we start, or as we start, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. African. Can well, you I'll take? Send it to you. Yeah. Can you snap a yeah. shot of the front covers for me? Yeah, I will. Cool. Alrighty. <sighs> All right. So, <laughs> thank you for being flexible in doing this. Um, <laughs> Crazy. I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is nuts. This is nuts. We were literally, we were literally, I mean, it's Saturday morning here in Oakland. So what, it's like 10 a.m. here. And in the UK, it's what, 6 p.m. So I'm so sorry yeah. that I'm hijacking your, your evening. Not at all. Not um, at all. This is we amazing. had to do this. We had, to, first of all, I had already told you a while ago that I was interested in getting you, getting you on this. Um, but I didn't really pursue it because I, you know, I don't know. I just, I didn't pursue it. However, uh-huh. today, this morning, um, guys listening, my very, very good bestie of a friend, um, Tara, and I were just having one of our catch-ups, um, as we do occasionally, every so often. Um, we're both mm-hmm. busy bodies, so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> as we miss each other. 
<laughs> but we were just walk I was taking a walk around Lake Merritt here in o Oakland and um, really loved the conversation that Tara and I were having. Every time we have a conversation, Tara, it just, I never know where it's going to end. Like it's, ne there's never really like a purpose <laughs> either. It's just like, hey, what's exactly. going on? And what are you reading? What are you listening to? Um, exactly. And it always turns into something explosive and powerful by the end of it. <laughs> it did. So I took a detour. I left the park. And I stormed back home and I asked Tara if she was available for the next hour or so so that we can re-have this conversation in front of the microphone. <laughs> so this is very impromptu. I don't know where it's going. I don't even know what I'm going to call this episode. <laughs> so you guys are really eavesdropping in right now. Good, good. No, I'm looking forward to this, actually. So Tara, like, you're, you're so true. Like, the, where we started was this whole thing about we as black people as a black nation, we didn't start at slavery. It didn't start yeah. there. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of, to your point earlier on, a lot of the conversations that we um, read um, or hear about or history, it always starts at the point of slavery. Like black yeah. history starts there, but it yeah. doesn't. It but really it doesn't. doesn't. Exactly, exactly. Um, absolutely right. And I think just for, just for context, I am not a historian. I'm just going to put that out there now. Neither of us are experts, really, <laughs> apart from what we do in our day-to-day. -day. <laughs> I am an architect, and that is what I do, and that is what I spend my time doing. However, like everybody else in the world um, at the moment, I have been, I've been shaken <laughs> to the core by what's going on around the world. And mm -hmm. first, well, everybody else has gone before this, but I guess for me most recently is um, Ahmed Arbery and um, George Floyd. Yeah. And, and I only recently realized that I was going through this grieving process. Mm -hmm. um, like it was my brother, um, like it was my family, because, because they are, of course, because these beautiful black men mm -hmm. um, have had their life taken away from that from them and it's a heavy start but all that to say that actually what embarrassingly it allowed me to do was dig into or start to explore more profoundly for myself african history mm -hmm. beyond slavery because like you highlighted you know particularly in this moment everyone's i mean i mean in fact you know, it's not because of my wisdom or intelligence that I thought, oh, let me look at African history. It was really because, like everybody else, I was rushing onto Amazon to buy um, all the books that are being bought at the moment where I'm no longer talking to white people about uh, race. All the anti-racism books. All the anti-racism books. And they were all sold out. <laughs> and so, the, but I was desperate to be reading something that I felt was important. Um, and then that my travels online took me to um, to a couple of books, um, including um, uh, history on African religion, as well as history on um, just African history, and even the the connotation or the words African history and African religion, of course, is vast and can be contested so and should be contested because um, Africa is a continent with its <laughs> more than fifty states and yes. many regions and the fact that it was it was carved up so we're a place a continent of places of people of religions of um regions mm -hmm. um of which there's such a diversity um 
but I guess the, the point of all that is that give, giving myself the opportunity to read and explore that has just been an incredibly powerful moment um, and one that while everyone at the moment is reading about um, slavery and how not to be an, um, a racist, um, it's been really empowering personally for me to be reading about just African history, our yeah. wealth of history, our intelligence, our ability to navigate millennia of um, beauty and religions and individual origin stories. And it's just been such a powerful moment for me personally. And, um, you know, and I'm just really looking forward to really unpacking and exploring where that leads me personally. Um, and then eventually, I guess, future, <laughs> future generations I love of that. black people. I love that because... We don't, when we're, you know, in school, we don't learn history yeah. that pertains to our heritage, right? Like, I remember learning about, you know, the Battle of Hastings, 1066, like all that kind yeah. of stuff in the UK. And I remember be, yeah. I was very, I was, I was class comedian in history <laughs> because. I can't imagine it. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people can't, but back in, back in the day in history class, I would, I didn't care. Right. Yeah, like even as I think about it right now, I remember that was the one class that I was like, I am not in. This is not my history. Yeah. And exactly. I know that you're not going to teach me my history. So I don't exactly. feel like I need to pay attention. Yeah. And yeah. as a joke and, as you know, as, as the class clown that I was for history only every time my history teacher, Mr. Brown, bless him. Um, he put up a lot with me every <laughs> time he used to ask you know, test us or ask us a, a quick question um, in yeah. class, you know, I would always put my hand up straight away, regardless of what yeah. his question was. And my answer was always Kofi Annan, Kofi Annan, <laughs> Kofi Annan. I was yeah. disruptive in that way. Amazing. Yeah. But that was me kind of rebelling. Now that I think yeah. about it, I was like, yeah. we need to be talking about other things like other, like, exactly. this is not my history. Yeah. So I and love that you've taken this time to actually, yes, slavery has always and will always be a thing and people are learning yeah. about it now because of the world yeah. we're living in today but yeah. we didn't start here there's richness exactly. before this moment exactly 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 and actually i mean you know the story you've just retold is quite telling um of the fact that you even have that to be able to say kofi Annan, that you were able to to highlight that a lot of us grew up with certainly my parents generation and I'm sure a bit mine you know it was mongo park who found West Africa and Nigeria. And that's not true. <laughs> right. The continent existed before, for <sighs> millennia before. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, again, it's this history that's been erased um, from what we know as education today. And yes, of course, I understand that there are petitions right now talking about, um, you know, let's retell Black history or history, depending on, you know, who you are, what side of the fence you sit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just history um, of the Black people before that. And to me, I found this truly extraordinary. I'm personally at the moment reading um, about African religions. I'm personally Christian. I've grown up in that in a Christian background, in a Christian family. Um, and of course, it's very much, Christianity is very much tied with the slave trade and the slave story. And that's why I think they're all embedded and a lot of Africans will um, say they were Christian. Um, again, because of that history that we have. However, if you look well beyond that, mm -hmm. um, before that, we have such a wealth 
of our own history and yeah. our own interesting when I was growing up in Nigeria prior to moving to the UK growing up um with words like babalawa which you know terrified me growing so up. explain so, for those who are listening yeah what is a babalawa oh my gosh okay so I can't even I'm not going to do it justice but I think the easiest way to say it I think you can correct me is like a witch doctor in effect correct um and so it was always given this negative connotation right that these were scary things that you should avoid and these are part of you know who we are um meanwhile actually if you think about it and there's so many things come flooding into me at the moment only because you know in line with this babalawo um comes with comes with me this this concept of diviners which actually came to me recently in reading um Tomi Adebayo's I got her name wrong I'm sure Tomi Adeyemi Adeyemi there yeah. we go thank you very much uh-huh. children of um blood and children stone. of blood and stone which is truly extraordinary but in there within it she talks about diviners who are healers um and I again I thought how amazing what great imagination and um having explored that now and understanding that actually diviners are in fact um from the african religions and diviners are healers within african religions um that when you know if i turned up to a diviner or if i turned up and said you know what actually i've got a headache or i've got depression or my arms pain me um hurting me they always recognize that this physical expression of pain was very much tied and linked to um an imbalance in my mm. spiritual mm. self my commune my communication with the spiritual and my communication with my community with my family so actually when these diviners came to heal it wasn't about just looking at me and the part of my bird, body that was in pain but actually it was about bringing the family together it was about trying to see what relational challenges i had with whoever else was in my family to see how we could break that um and come back into a place of harmony. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's also in in entwined our interrelationships and our interdependency on each other, particularly in African cultures in my experience, particularly growing up in an African culture, um a different part of African culture obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um that um communities are so intertwined with each other because we have this history. Um and then the diviner would go through this process of trying to figure out what was wrong um in terms of imbalances and sort that out which in today's language translates to what we now refer to as oh stress causes illness whatever that illness yeah. could be yeah um so today we use modern language for something that um you know african religions have had for millennia yep um which are, it's, it's just truly extraordinary that i like i say i'm slightly embarrassed to be going back to this pre-slavery history to understand actually my original roots Um I find this really fascinating and I've only had this conversation with quite honestly not even a full handful of people because mm. if I'm really and you know we're close and I always feel that we can talk about I think you're you're really the the, the main friend in my friend circle where I feel like I can really have deep rooted philosophical <laughs> not that it we're trying to make them philosophical but they end yeah. up being very deep rooted conversations you know without yeah. judgment yeah um, exactly because what we're talking about right now uh, what we are unearthing right now is years and years and years decades mm. of yeah. um to some degree a level of 
educational suppression. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like, wow. That's yeah, what it this. is. It's like, mm. right now, you're taking this moment in global history to go back to the beginning and understand yeah. the power of our culture and the richness of African culture. While everybody yeah. is looking at slavery, you're like, I'm going to go further back and figure <laughs> out where we started from, right? Yeah. And yeah. in having a conversation like this, it's a difficult conversation and it's going to be a difficult mm -hmm. thing for people to hear and listen to yeah. and accept openly. Yeah. So I yeah. don't at all, you know, I'm not naive to think people who may have grown up like you and I in Christian religion to hear yeah. this and be like, this is for me. It may not yeah. be for you. You yeah. have to be open-minded yeah. to even want to have this conversation. Mm. What I love about our relationship is that we are willing to have this difficult conversation. We are still obviously, you know, strong in our beliefs of, you know, being Christian. Okay. And it's not to say we're turning away from Christian religion. That's not what we're talking <laughs> about here. We're not talking about that. We're having yeah. a conversation about facts, things yeah. that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. There's definitely, if you read, there is a tie between mm -hmm. um, slavery and Christianity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually found a quote when I rushed back from the lake earlier on, Tara. <laughs> Tara. Um, and it's from the first, uh, the first president of Kenya, Jomo Kenyatta. Okay. And it says, when the missionaries arrived, the Africans had the land and the missionaries had the Bible. Yeah. They taught us how to pray with our eyes closed. Yeah. When we oh. opened them, they had the land and we had the Bible. Whoa. It's, I mean. Wow. Isn't he right? <laughs> He's wow. right. But this is difficult yeah. for us to accept, right? Yeah. This is difficult yeah. for Christian Africans, African Christians to accept. Yeah, I yeah. think. And I say that because I haven't had these types of conversations with anyone above our generation. I haven't had this mm -hmm. conversation with my parents. I haven't had this com because essentially when you start to have these conversations with them um, and these generations that were brought up in um, Christian religion, yeah. um, it's almost like we're questioning whether we've been brainwashed or whitewashed <laughs> and nobody yeah. wants to admit to that I don't want to admit yeah. to that I mean I yeah. will admit that I haven't asked enough questions earlier on in my lifetime which is why yeah. I'm enjoying having this sort of conversation with you and anyone that wants to you know step outside the box for a second and <laughs> face some actual facts um yeah. it's it's challenging no. it's really it's it's a really challenging thing to think that you know Do I, do I fully, have I really taken, oh, I don't even know. Like, it's really hard to express this. Like, I'm being yeah. very transparent on this episode <laughs> right now. More yeah. transparent now than you and I were having this conversation an hour ago because I realize it's not just you and I that's going to hear this conversation. So that's why in all yeah. transparency, I'm hesitating yeah. saying the words, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Mm. Is everything we knew a lie? Right? Yeah. In terms of Christianity. And I, yeah. I went a bit far there. Like I, I, for me, and I'm only going to speak for me. Yeah. I, um, absolutely. Yes. I believe that there is a God, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. I completely believe that, you know, Christianity is the closest, you know, thing as you and I were talking about earlier on in terms of yeah. a tangible structure, like religious structure that I've been mm-hmm. reared into. So I believe in its tenets. I believe that there's a God. There are things about the Bible, stories of the Bible that, you know, I, I take with a pinch of salt. You know, I do yeah. think that, you know, that there are some things that we've been given brains. We've been given brains to think to, um, you know, create our own realities, um, to be inspired by. I think the book, the book of the Bible is one of hope, mm-hmm. one of inspiration, and it allows us as people to take what we read and um, believe that we can go beyond the here and now, that we, that the, the sky is the limit, okay? Yeah, that yeah. you can make something happen out of X, you know, mm-hmm. of, of not such a great situation. But I think that you have to take things with a pinch of salt, right? And, and um, when we go back and we talk about the African religions, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, again, where it started. We had that first. We had our own religions. Yeah. We had our own yeah. gods. We had our own yeah. rituals. Yeah. And what I have struggled with in the past and, you know, more recently is our culture looks down on those religions now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which I find truly extraordinary. And, you know, first of all, I'm going to, you know, be honest and say, obviously, I don't have an answer for you. No, 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 <laughs> no. I completely hear not you. Ask, not uh, asking <laughs> any questions here. It's just a exactly. convo. <laughs> um, and I completely hear you and I completely understand. And actually, this is... While for me personally, and I have, I almost have to think this way just because of my religious background, I guess, that, you know, I would naturally have a response like, you know, I'm very much believing in Christianity. But for me, I think the important, or not important, but the interesting thing here is this understanding of African religions in context, or sorry, of of African religions irrespective or alongside Christianity mm-hmm. in terms of, like you say, a lot, a lot of African religions existed pre, um, prior to Christianity. Yeah. Um, and I've personally always struggled with the fact with this concept of, well, what about the people that, you know, are buried deep in different parts of different continents? If they never hear about the Bible and if they never hear about um, Christianity, does this mean they're going to hell, for example, right? Right. Um, and I've always been hit with the response from uh, religious leaders. Well, everybody, God will only come back after everybody's heard about um, uh, God or Jesus and Christianity and da da da. And fine, but I guess, and this is complete, not completely moving away, but moving away or moving on a little bit is this concept that, however you slice it, Christianity came with slavery. That that that's where it's, that's where it's arrived on our continent. Yep. That's that's how it happened. Yep. Um, and in looking at today's religion, now for me personally, I again don't necessarily look at religion, but rather I've come up with a school of thought because of um, church I attend. That you know we it's very much about relationship and your personal relationship with God, um, rather mm-hmm. than this doctrine of religion. And for me, I'm grateful for that um, school of thought. However, we live in a I said um, in the UK, we certainly live in a culture where we where church and state are different mm-hmm. and where they're supposed to be different mm-hmm. and where um you know the church is very different from the state and um, decisions that we make for the state should not be 
um, religious decisions, if you like, or or ideas or religious um, ideas that come from the church, for example, or from a religion, for example, which I find really fascinating because today, for example, in church, we are almost we're trying to go back, <laughs> and I'll explain this in a minute. We're trying to go back to this place of unity where if you walked into a church today, many pastors will say church is not supposed to be for a Sunday only or Saturday, depending on what church you go to, yeah. um, but it should be you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, blah, 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 to give the impression, to, to highlight the fact that church is rooted in your daily life. Yes, we also live in a society that states that they should be different. Yeah. Um, and then bringing it back to African religions, um, recognizing that actually in African religions, not only original African religions, not only do many feel that it's impossible to separate state and decision-making from religion, i.e. your religion that preaches about love and community and about being kind to your neighbor, etc., should directly be the values and tenets that decide how a state will be governed. Yep. Not only do they not believe that um, it's not possible to separate the two, but also very much it's not desirable to separate the two because mm -hmm. why would you want to? Mm -hmm. Which I find really fascinating that actually we've actually we've come from, we've originally come from a place where these are intertwined, our spirituality and our and our decision-making yeah. are intertwined. Yeah. Because a lot of the spirituality still comes back to kindness, still comes back to the basic things we're trying to teach each other in society today and putting in law, which is fascinating to me. You know, you know, you should not shout and spit at people down the as they walk down the street or kill people mm -hmm. as they walk down the street because they're a different race from you. That just speaks about kindness, that's basic humanity. Yeah. Yet we're writing laws about it and we're teaching each other about yeah. it. Isn't that truly mind-blowing? Mm -hmm. That this is something that surely we've grown up mm -hmm. with in knowing what's right from wrong. And yet we're having to riot for this. We're having to protest for basic, basic. decency. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? Meanwhile, originally it's what we had. And look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this and say, okay, well, you know, all African religions and all African people are all kumbaya and because we've always had tribalism, we've always had uh, wars and riots or whatever between different religions, between different people, because where humans are, um, there will obviously be an, an opportunity for strife with migration, etc., um, along the continents. But that's not unique to Nigeria. Um, Nigeria. That's not unique to Africa. That's unique to all. That's that's very much embedded in in humanity across mm -hmm. all continents. Yeah. Um, but for me, just I think re understanding that is interesting to me and if i can just take it a little to my profession um i've all again growing up in nigeria i've grown up with community i've grown up almost yeah with, it, almost communal in that we've had our family but family friends aunties uncles etc if you live in nigeria everybody would just walks through your front door at any time yeah. unannounced that's just how we do life mm -hmm. together you know um, and today, you know, you're planning to meet your friend a month from now, going two weeks from now at a certain time, at a certain date in a certain place. Whereas even in, um, many African countries today, I certainly, when I visit Ghana, I'm always in awe and wonder and struck with amazement and jealousy at how they just rock up to each other's houses, um, 
and you know beep in their cars to say hey by the way we're downstairs or you know mm -hmm. open the door or we come in the food there it's just so, so easy so social. It, it, yeah that that community this concept of community is so easy yet um certainly in the uk we create places and spaces where we're trying to put this this way of living back into society mm. because we our architecture is reflective can be reflective of this individualistic way of living where your house is your own house um and your things are your own things they're not communal they're not yeah. to be shared and everybody therefore down the road is to be looked at suspiciously mm -hmm. whereas when you live in community and when you live and know the people around you you trust them whereas right. we have moved to a place in developing places and spaces where we don't trust our neighbors we don't know we're not we don't even we're not designing to know our neighbors let alone trust them right um so of course racism exists of course it's systemic of course we're going to continue to see divide if on every level we're not addressing equity we're not addressing decency we're not addressing how to engage with each other that's why in many african cultures you know you had um homes and i can't call them individual homes because they weren't they're they're sort of compounds we had compounds where houses yes. houses and rooms rather not even houses rooms would surround a central space because each family or each person who would live in a particular room and the communal central spaces where we cooked and cleaned yep. because it gave us this opportunity to meet each other to get to know each other and to live with each other yeah and so we so it's such a different type of and way of living you know and suddenly in the way i think about architecture today i'm now always trying to think how can we really create truly socially equitable spaces you know socioeconomic mm -hmm. um sustainable spaces and places that ensure that we get to know each other a bit better um and therefore get to trust each other and be part of the solution Sorry, I moved into architecture. So but I, that's, I mean, that's, thank you, because, you know, typically when I do these things, we introduce who's on the podcast and I didn't do that. <laughs> um, Tara is an incredible badass when it comes to architecture. She has such a creative brain um, and has kind of fused that with the world of logic to um, to 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 become a pillar, a rising star, I would say, in the world of architecture. <laughs> and she's uh, actually co-founded... Um, her own company or, you know, co-founded a company with her husband, uh, hi, Sean, um, <laughs> called Bolade Design Studios, right? Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> and I know that sustainability is a massive uh, passion point for you right now when it comes to architecture. So you've mm. been exploring that. She's been on, been on a ton of panels and um, on, you know, lives on social media and things like that. She's being sought after by some pretty big corporations in terms of getting her opinion on the state of um, sustainability as it pertains to architecture. And I'm, I'm sure a bunch of other things that I am not well educated enough to speak to, Tara. So <laughs> I want to let you guys know that you're really speaking to a, an expert when it comes to architecture and um, you're going to be seeing her name um, all over the place so you know you're getting a sneak peek um anything else you want to add before we go back to our conversation in terms of what you do that you want people to know tara um well i guess as a practice yeah we're a holiday design studio we're based in london um but we work um all over the world all over the country all over the world um and we really specialize in residential development so homes houses 
um, student accommodation, um, but community buildings as well. And like you highlighted, we specialize in sustainability as it pertains to environmental sustainability, as well as socioeconomic sustainability in communities. So that's the party line. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you for reminding me that, um, you know, we are talking as friends, but I also do like as part of what I do is I, it's really important for us to share our stories and where we came from and what we do and what we're what our career what we're doing in our careers right now so, I, so I'm glad yeah. that you reminded me listen so okay going back to our conversation I was when I woke up this morning I do the thing that mm -hmm. I always do which is such a bad habit I grab for my phone yeah. and I <laughs> and I scroll through Instagram and I, I see what's what people are posting and um Kay Inde and Jorin, who I actually interviewed maybe, I don't know, six, seven episodes ago. Um, mm -hmm. Her Instagram handle is Power in Movement. So she's all about fitness. Um, yeah. She's Nigerian born and now has been living in, in New York for, for years now. And she's building up her own fitness um, empire per se. She reposted something from Genevieve Magazine, which is a Nigerian lifestyle entertainment magazine. Mm -hmm. And um, they had posted this 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 quote. Um, I don't know who the quote is from, um, but it says, "Nigerian children are raised to be <laughs> submissive. Yeah, the natural the natural curiosity is beaten out of them by age ten. Mm. Nigerian homes and schools produce children who can pass exams, but have mm. very limited capacity for very limited capacity for thinking, creativity." and an unhealthy fear of questioning authority. Wow. 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 <laughs> Again, we are having some very difficult conversations here because <laughs> when I read that, my mind was actually blown at how yeah. right, how unfortunately yeah. true that is. Yeah. I that was absolutely mind blown because... It made me, and again, I don't want to admit that. That doesn't feel mm -hmm. good to me. I don't yeah. read that and think, you know, yes, power to the people. No, I think yeah. that I am a lover of my culture. I love being Nigerian. I raise yeah. that flag loud and proud. I consider myself, you know, I, I put my Nigerian heritage and culture first, but beyond, you know, being mm -hmm. British, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but when I read that, I didn't feel good about it. But mm -hmm. I, if, if I'm being real with myself, it is true. Mm. It is true. How many situations have I been in where I, I mean, we're reared to believe that, um, not even believe, we're reared to, to behave in a certain way when we are in front of authority. We're yeah. raised not to ask questions. We're raised yeah. to just do what you've been told to do. Yeah. And by the way, this is yeah. not just African um, or Nigerian children. I'm sure that there are, you know, uh, other cultures around the world yeah. non-westernized cultures ra cultures around the world that may feel the same way but i'm only going to speak for the culture that i've been reared in so yeah, yeah. um we've raised not to, to challenge not to question do what you've been told do what your parents say don't argue and so what that does do is that when you step outside of your home mm -hmm. um and you're in your workspace for example or you're in a different social circle outside of your home one yeah. You end up being a little bit more meeker or a little bit more yeah. meek. Maybe meeker is mm -hmm. not a word. You yeah. don't challenge. Um, yeah. You don't question. You do what yeah. you're told. Um, yeah. And when you do those things, when you follow that line, when you follow that path, how creative do you become as an individual? Not very. 
right? Exactly. I know yeah. that I've been in situations in a corporate space. That's the space that I'm in where I've been in meetings and I've been invited in, in, into meetings to share my opinion and my expertise around, I don't know, beauty, black beauty. Mm-hmm. That's what I do, right? But I know that there have been times where I, I felt like, okay, can I speak now? Because everybody yeah. around this table is older than me and more senior yeah. than me. And I've been told not to, you know, behave in a certain way. If I don't yeah. believe somebody has said something that's correct, like how do I challenge them? It's not to yeah. say that I don't challenge. It's not to say that I don't push back. I don't get to where I am today without that, right? Yeah. But for yeah. me, it has taken hurdles and years mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. unlearning yeah. to feel comfortable and I'm not 100% comfortable today, but I'm getting yeah. there. Like, but to feel yeah. comfortable enough to actually say, actually, that's not how it is. Or actually, yeah. we should be doing it this way. Um, mm-hmm. But I see people who don't look like me, who are white, who, you know, challenge back super yeah. easy, super quickly. Yeah. It's something yeah. that's innate. <laughs> right? yeah. Whereas for me, it takes a lot to work up to yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, oh, wow, you've you've said a lot there, and actually, two things I want to highlight, and we'll hopefully uh, open a couple of those in a second. One is there's a layering that you've just um, alluded to, a layering of who you are um, as a Nigerian British person, um, and then second, it speaks to your power in who you are right now and what you're achieving right now, knowing you've come from this background, knowing that we've come from this background, Mm. because it is not easy. You're absolutely right. I did the exact same thing. I grew up in a culture. I grew up in Nigeria. I grew up in a culture where you don't, how dare you talk back to someone who is older than you? It might be a day older than you, but you do not talk back. There's this concept of seniority and then authority. Mm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we've, we've all grown up with this and, you know, it's something I'm sure we'll have to actively look out not to do, where you question your parents and be like, because I said so. There, no, don't ask no, me. <laughs> they don't ask, what do you mean? Why are you asking me questions? You know, so we've definitely been brought up to not question authority. And I think that a lot of, actually, I won't go there. Um, but I think that, <laughs> I, mean, yes. I think that as a result of that, Yes, there is obviously this um, hindrance that I think has occurred. But what it does make me proud of as well is what Nigerians, what Africans, what people who've grown up in that background are able to still go on and achieve in spite of that. You know, certainly imagine a school like architecture. I mean, I don't have to imagine because I went to architecture school. Yeah. But, um, and I I perhaps won't say the exact words I said when we were speaking speaking earlier but I certainly recognized that I had to learn um certainly in first year or quite quickly that I could talk back to my tutors because imagine this or rather we as as architects in architecture school what we do is have a lot of um critiques which are basically critical appraisals of your design work so you have um, design surgeries and the point of it is to be critically appraised um and they can be harsh in fact they're very they're very harsh particularly in first year many students go away crying um after and you have this over and over and over again throughout each year mm-hmm. that's just part of the process and i recognize that you know my um 
not my white, like I said, non-vain, non-black, uh, just to say what it is. My white um, colleagues, my white student friends, were able to talk back and speak their opinion to um, tutors when the tutors gave their opinion, because at the end of the day, that's what it is, opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to speak back. Now, personally, we didn't have very many um, black students. There was like, I want to say three. There were three of us in a class of just under 200 in first year, I think. And then that dropped to about, I'm going to say 50 by the time we were in third year or fourth year, I can't remember mm-hmm. now. Anyway, so um, so just generally the iteration rate in um, architecture is vastly reduced between first year and by the time you, you, you finish. But also um, black students tended not to, and this is across years, right? Tended not to challenge back as near as often um, or near as vehemently. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll explain it this way, right? So for example, Take me versus another black student who, because they've grown up in a culture where you don't question authority, we'd have many tutors. Imagine over 12 months, we have many tutors mm-hmm. who would all come in and give us their opinion, again, their opinion on our piece of work. Now, if I'm a black student who has grown up not challenging authority, it means that I change my design based on each tutor's opinion of my design mm. throughout the year. So come in three months before submission, that's when I'm now starting to work up whatever design eventually is left from all this tearing apart and tearing to pieces of, yeah. my, of my scheme. Whereas maybe a student like me who's grown up in the UK or has gone over challenging authority, I've challenged that authority in maybe the first two months or three months. And irrespective of what any other tutor says, I defend my design, which means I've now mm. got nine months to work up my scheme. So you can imagine by the end of the year, one person has spent nine months working up their scheme and another person has spent three months, two months working up their scheme. You can't compare the quality of work. You can't compare the amount of work that has gone in. Now, not to say the other person hasn't worked because obviously they have, um, but that work has been eaten away and they've allowed that eaten away because of the culture they've come from. Yet Mm. that is not taken into account in education, for example, certainly in um, architectural education. That is not taken into account um, with students from a different background. It's mm, this confidence so interesting. to be able to challenge back, to fight back, to say, nope, I strongly believe this. And it's a, it's a very, and this is why it's important to see yourself reflected in the tutors who teach you and also, of course, in leadership when you come out in the professional sphere. Because many white tutors will not be able to understand the cultural background of many say black Nigerian students, mm-hmm. not just in this lack of questioning authority, but also um, in just the different culture, in the difference of what we do, of how we do it in yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. Um, and so that, that idea that comes forth from someone from a Nigerian background will be different to what will come forward from a white European background, yeah. yet the value is not placed on somebody else's history. And coming back to what you said initially, that you've had to navigate these spaces and still end up as director in um, Admin Mazani, and in L'Oreal, it's truly extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Because the layers upon layers upon layers that you have, you have grown up in Nigeria, to, to a degree, sorry, with Nigerian parents, with your Nigerian culture, Nigerian religion, speaking a Nigerian language Yoruba, and grown up in a space that is white British and have to navigate 
obviously we speak at Nigeria, um, English in Nigeria, in Nigeria, but also in the UK, British English and speak changing your language of English in a different yeah. tone to um, a different liking yeah. and, and understanding the nuances of British culture, yeah. as well as all the nuances of your own culture, on top of which your own religion. And that's just you. Many, many of my colleagues just don't have that. <laughs> they don't have You're this right. layering of experiences that they can bring to any any situation. Whereas a lot of Black Africans, Black people generally, um, or people from a BAME background operating in the spaces just do inherently, you know? I do. And I want to add to that, like, not only to your point, and thank you, you know, Shaw, using me as an example, like, it's, it's absolutely true. Like, I've had to navigate, you know, being raised to your point in a Nigerian household with my Nigerian culture, eating my Nigerian food, <laughs> learning my wonderful Yoruba language, um, mm. as well as navigating the white British um, sphere as well, yeah. living alongside that, you know, from school perspective, socializing with white friends, um, speaking the way they speak, yeah, understanding, mm -hmm. like balancing, you know, what, what's being taught at home. And then mm -hmm. all, and also now, like I live in the States, okay. you know, yeah. and this is what you were talking about earlier on. And it's a great point. You know, I am, I'm married to, into an African-American family. So, you know, understanding those nuances there and how they yeah. play and how they speak and what they eat and what their culture yes. is and <laughs> navigating the, the, the white American space, you know, exactly. as well in the corporate, you know, to your point that is and when you said this earlier on I nearly got run over on the street because I got so excited <laughs> by this conversation no joke that this is why I created this texture lounge space because and the reason why I use the word texture is exactly like you know the words that I use on the website is about sharing our multi-layered experiences yeah, from exactly. a black perspective because yeah. as black people it isn't just one straight monotonous path and I'm not mm -hmm. by any means saying that non-black people aren't multi-layered and don't have yeah. the texture yeah, stories when I talk on this podcast and have these episodes I'm speaking from a black ex from the black experience from a black perspective my experience mm -hmm. and yeah um quite honestly I would venture to go forward and say that we are extremely complex beings we are yeah. we have extremely multi-layered complex realities and experiences mm -hmm. we have yeah. to balance you know the, the we have to balance <laughs> um mm -hmm. you know what it's like to be raised in families where you're not supposed to speak until you're spoken to you're supposed to respect your elders you're not supposed to yeah. challenge you're not supposed to da 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 but then you're in the corporate space and they're like what do you think how would you approach <laughs> this i need you to yeah. challenge back like don't always yeah. say like it's like wow like at which we are bomb people. We are a bomb <laughs> nation of humans on this earth. Auntie, auntie. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you, you said it beautifully there. So I want, and, and, and what's, what's interesting about what you've said is that that's not unique to you and that's not unique to me. There's so many yeah. um, black people who have this, experience of this layer mm -hmm. and knowing that even when you say the word black 
that that is so varied because the black American yeah. experience is different and even black American. Okay. I'll use British because that's closer to home and I understand that a little bit better. <laughs> Uh, but the black British experience is different to the, um, i.e. born and raised in England and being black um, versus the black African British who, you know, may born and partially raised in an African country and then moved over to um, the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just that as black is the varying experiences and actually what you hold as identity is varying yeah. um, experiences. Yeah. So I always find it, um, interesting when I'm asked for an opinion because I'm like, which well, one do you actually, want? Which one do you want? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> just just as you say that, I had a I had a call with someone. I'm not going to give any names. Um, yeah. I had a call with someone. I shared this this with you just last week. Um, mm. French guy, white French guy, and he was mm-hmm. kind of wanting to understand like my experience of you know of of racism and how. Um, you know what's going on in the world here in the US in terms of the Black Lives Matters movements, the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and such, you know, the myriad that have gone before then, how yeah. that impacts me, you know, being out here. And then he kind of took it back. He was like, oh, wait, of course, you are British. You're Black British. So maybe for you, you don't feel um, the pain that, you know, the Black Americans are, are feeling. And I was like, first of all, I was dumbfounded, right? Because I had to explain to him, I had to compose myself, obviously, but I had to explain to him that when I step out of my apartment and I walk down to Whole Foods Mm -hmm. or wherever it is that I'm going to, if anyone wanted to, you know, attack me or, you know, wanted to, you know, display a level of racism towards me, they're yeah. not going to s- look at me and say, oh, she's British, she's exempt. No, yeah. <laughs> they don't see that. Exactly. They see the color of my skin first. Yeah. And they're going to assume that I am, you know, African-American or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I am black. And yeah. yes, I am subject to, you know, racist ideas. I have seen mm. them. I have heard them around me growing up in this time. Like... It's it's almost become a, a sad a sad norm. So it it was a little bit of a shock to me for to hear someone like him, um, who is you know an older individual, probably in his sixties, that you think would know better. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not exempt because I'm British. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you know, even actually, the I'll just challenge that a little bit in terms of the concept of knowing better is that. Mm. I feel like we're now all, myself included, on an educational journey, hopefully, true, you know? Um, and I think because we're all learning and because we're all, if we accept it on an educational journey, it's fine to fail. It's fine to fall down. It's Facts. fine to not know it all. It's fine to make mistakes or whatever. And if we are hopefully doing it right, then we're here for each other. And, you know, very much similar to to this and that question of you know oh well that's us and that's just somehow different Mm -hmm. we know that it's not and what i try to say to people actually is that it's the same thing the only difference between what's going on in the us and what's what's everywhere else in the world certainly in the uk is that the us operates with 
overt racism, whereas the UK is covert racism. That's the only difference. And lest anyone who's white listening to this get offended, um, it's not about everybody being racist. Yes, of course, there are active (laughs) racists, obviously. We're not naive to that. Mm -hmm. But the point being particularly in the UK, this concept of systemic racism, I'm going to read it out because yeah. I, w- I won't give it justice if I just say it myself, is, by the way, someone someone put this on, on a post um, and I picked it up because it, I thought it was brilliantly written. By the way, systemic racism doesn't mean lots of racists in the system. It means that even if there are zero racists present, the system would still disproportionately harm people of certain races. That's it. You know, mm. it's not that nobody is like everybody is racist or nobody is racist. It's that irrespective of whether everybody's racist or no one is racist, the system has been set up mm-hmm. to disrep- disproportionately harm those who are of certain races. Yeah. And that is evident in, again, keep bringing it back to architecture because this is what I know. That is evident in frameworks that come out. Um, for local authorities in the UK that have 110 architects on there and do not feature any Black-led architectural practices in a borough where 60%, they proudly say 60% of the, of the people in the borough come from a Bain background, and of that Bain background, 27, 30% of them are Black. Wow. Do you understand what I've just said? Yes. That's the people creating the architecture for that borough do not reflect at all the demographic of the borough. That's crazy. It, it's see, that, the, it's insane. It's insane yeah. because it and just now I'm, exactly. It just and goes, I'm now. I'm not going to say that you know everyone in there is racist. Blah blah blah. No. But that is exactly the point. That yeah. if nobody, if there was zero racist in there, the framework, the system itself, does not. It's flawed. for equality. Does it, that make sense? It does. <laughs> it makes sense. And the beauty of it, unfortunately, I'm sorry to use the word beauty of it, but the reality and the, 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 you know, the underlying current in what you're saying is that this goes beyond the, uh, you know, the industry of architecture, right? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. great that we're having this conversation, you and I, because we're both from different industries. I'm, I'm in the mm-hmm. world of beauty and you're in the world of architecture. And it's the same thing. You have mm-hmm. people around the table who are making decisions for a community of people, black people, mm-hmm, without not without the representation in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You've got yeah. to have the black people <laughs> that have the voice, that have the knowledge, that are the experts around the table to make decisions for us. You cannot make yeah. a decision for me. Um, exactly. it's, it's a transversal issue that just goes beyond different different industries i wrote a post up on instagram the other day um that i felt really strongly about i'm just going to read it mm-hmm. it says forget a seat at the table how about we find the tree chop the wood and build our own damn table are you ready yeah. it's about time yes like, let's not rely right. on these systems that are already in place let's build our own exactly together let's build yeah. our own together because i feel i hope that in these deaths that have occurred, that life as we know it evolves. Mm-hmm. I am, I don't know if hopeful is too strong a word, but because I'm an eternal optimist, I have to be hopeful because I don't think I can live without it. So mm. for me personally, I have 
to be hopeful. I don't have a choice. I have to be hopeful that this is a period in time that black, white, brown, and everyone in between, we can together cut down new trees and build new tables. Because, you know, everybody gets offended or people will get offended if I say, and now I'm, I just feel like I, I have to, if I say, you know, well, if you don't have black people around the table in terms of senior leadership and making decisions, then you are going to make the right, wrong decision. You mm. are going to fact. People yeah. are like, whoa, you can't say that. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that that is the truth. Similar to if you don't have women sitting around the table in leadership positions and decision-making positions, then you will make the wrong decision. Yeah. That is also a fact. Yeah. Um, this is not an attack on a particular type of person. This really talks about inclusivity mm -hmm. and talks about the fact that we are multi-layered, multicultural people and beings. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is that you can't appropriate our music and you can't appropriate our culture when you're like it. You can't appropriate all these bits of things. Yeah. You can't ap um, appropriate a curry and then not want equality. I yeah. mean, you know, take, 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 take. No, no, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> we, we all sit around the table and give together. And personally, you know, everyone's like, what do we do? What do we do? It's not rocket science. You know, it's not rocket science. I don't want to be trivial in saying that it's not rocket science, but it's not. We created these systems. We have the ability to fix this system. Yeah, okay? lay them out. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not a moment where you go and retreat or whatever. We need to all be mucking in together to work this out. It's, yeah. But it's, it's not um, this complex thing. Although certainly in the UK, uh, systemic racism definitely seems like this. It's like it's a fog that you can't grab. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the way, it's the way yeah. it's been described, and I think that's exactly <laughs> it. You can see the fog. Yeah, you can't. You just, there's nothing to hold on to. You to point yeah. out directly and say, "Oh, that's it. That's it." You know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. No, no, I agree. And you talk about you know diverse, like basically the world of diversity and inclusion mm. and inclusion. And actually, more recently, I've decided that I don't like the word inclusion. Um, okay. Because the reason why is because I think of it as like who's doing the including. Again, it's yes. somebody that doesn't look like me that's just making the yeah. decision to include me in the conversation. Um, mm -hmm. I I don't know where I heard it from. I think I was in a webinar or something and um, yeah. not work related, just, you know, mm -hmm. off topic. One of these women networking groups that's doing like Zoom webinars on what's going on in the world today. Somebody used the word, um, I think it was diversity and belonging. The word right. belonging, I I think I felt, I don't know, I felt more connected to that word because yeah. when I see that, I imagine that there is somebody in the system or in mm -hmm. on the, around that table that looks like me, that is looking to um, bring up other people that look like them into that mm -hmm. room so that yeah. when they walk into that room, they see this other person that, hey, she's black too, or hey, she's yeah. Islamic too, or hey, she's yeah. whatever. And yeah. therefore you get that sense of belonging because there's yeah. somebody else that is sitting in that space that is from your own community. So yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think that's something that corporates, corporate companies that have DNI teams need to start really looking at maybe mm -hmm. changing, um, changing the word inclusion or I think rethinking it or yeah. really kind of figuring out what belonging could look like. In, yeah. In that space. No, that's very good. That's not, not something I've actually come across before. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely sit with that and, and expand it more. No, <laughs> I like, so thank you. That's good. 
What do you do to uh, chill out, Tara? Because I know you can be a highly strong individual only because like you're <laughs> only because you're you know always on the go. You've got your own business. You are a you are a power getter. I've always seen Tara as a power. <laughs> like she power. just gets it. Like she is. <laughs> nothing stops her. Um, so how do you chill out? Um, in many ways, um, I do a lot of running, which is amazing. Um, I also do a lot of yoga, which is equally How often brilliant. do you do yoga, actually? Um, five days a week. Oh, that's good. Yeah, to, differ, to varying um, degrees of intensity and to varying times. Um, I, again, going back to my highly strong personality type. <laughs> Sorry, and, uh, didn't sound very definitely. good. <laughs> no, do you know what? I embrace it. I don't mind. I am... Um, I know I'm goal orientated. I know I'm very much about achievements, and, and yeah. it's, it's it's all right. I appreciate that about <laughs> myself. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I you know I started yoga suddenly with I will spend an hour or thirty minutes or whatever, um, and I will get hit every pose right or whatever. And now I think I've come to the maturity of understanding how it works and and just going into whatever flow I fancy um, on the day. Okay. So some days will last five minutes, some days will last an hour. It just depends of the spirit moves we ate. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, and it's very much self, you know, many times I use uh, videos online and do yoga with friends or sometimes I, you know, I just, yeah, let it flow. Um, but what I've started doing recently, which I found tr truly <laughs> extraordinary, is um, meditation. And because I haven't been doing, I've not never done meditation, I've, used, I've um, decided to do guided meditation. Yeah. Um, and that's been <laughs> an interesting an interesting experience. Now, I'll just share that the reason I even started with meditation was that following um, Ahmed Arbery, following George Floyd, I realized I was holding on to a lot of frustration and, to be honest, anger. So a lot of deep anger that I could not shift, mm -hmm. um, that I could not shift with what I would normally do, which is yoga or run or mm -hmm. prayer or quiet time or whatever it just wasn't going and yeah I kind of thought oh, for goodness sake I need to get rid of this anger because I recognize that you know holding on to anger like unforgiveness or anything like that it's like me drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die it's not going to happen right mm. it's the only person that's hurt is myself yeah. so I was quite desperate to get rid of this anger anyway one evening I um I could I was restless I couldn't sleep I couldn't get this feeling off this heaviness I've had days literally days of uncontrollable crying mm. over george floyd and over um armored Darby because you you kind of think of the hate that drives people to make these types yeah. of decisions um and you know i've had i've had these really heavy heavy days like many people in the black community have around the world and i decided i would meditate um and that was amazing because for the first time it made me feel um, a little bit more peaceful and i remember going in thinking to myself Do you know what i just i need i need my power back I felt I'd lost my power in this moment or in this period that we're in. And I was like, I need my power back. And that was actually the reason I went in um, okay. meditation. Um, so I remember like earlier on this year, I had some friends of mine or a friend of mine had set up this group on WhatsApp. It was um, 21 days of abundance or something. It was like a <laughs> meditation type daily, um, um, I don't know. It was daily meditation for 21 days yeah. straight. Um, and every day you'd be, you know, asked to do a task alongside your meditation. 
Um, it was led by Deepak Chopra. I had heard about him on on Oprah's Super Soul conversation. <laughs> so I figured, okay, like I've been trying myself to get into meditation actually yeah. for quite a while. Um, okay. I have always, and I still have a problem with sitting still. Mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> how to just like sit and just do nothing, think about yeah. nothing. So yeah. meditation has always been the thing that, you know, has been a challenge for me, but I know that it's something that I really want to become, you know, uh, I want it to become innate. Um, so mm-hmm. I did the 21 day challenge and part of the 21 day challenge is that you have to create your own group, mm-hmm. um, your own WhatsApp group <laughs> and you invite your own friends to join the challenge. And I was like, okay, who, who's going to be open enough to do this? So I literally, I can only think of three people. <laughs> um, one of which was Tara, but I knew it. I knew as I added her that I, nah, I knew that she was just going to shut that down. Because <laughs> she is so busy. She is so busy, but she's, you know, we're very similar in mind when it comes to things like that. It just so happened that in that time I was, I was ready to explore, to explore that. Yeah. So this morning when she told me that she started meditation, I was like, whoa, whoa (laughs) first of all what made you even want to explore it and you know today that what's happening in the world today was enough to make you um you know shift your perception on what meditation could look like for you so how how was your experience did you love it are you going to keep on keeping on (laughs) i am for sure for sure and i'll tell you really what to me i can only still define as weird um, experience, but certainly um, a heck of a, an experience. And this is um, a few a few days into, or a few sessions, I guess, into meditating, a few days into doing meditation. Mm-hmm. I had this one experience where, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, right? So I'm preparing, I'm preparing the okay. listener. But I had this um, experience, which I can only um, define, I, I guess, a little bit of out-of-body experience where um, I'm sitting with my eyes closed and I see this bright light in the center of my skull. So um, what I can only maybe refer to perhaps as the third eye, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see this bright light in the excuse me, center of my skull. Um, and, you know, it, it gets brighter in intensity. And that was one session. And another, the next session, what I found was that this uh, light changed color. It went into these really deep boil purples and then deep blues and then greens and then yellow like bright yellow anyway and through this light i i felt i heard my name i guess tara Mm -hmm. um and i looked in and what i saw was a warrior (laughs) Mm -hmm. a beautiful big black woman warrior Mm -hmm. um extending her hand out to me um asking me to come in And exactly, exactly. And I thought, well, what the hell? Oh my gosh. Um, And what it seemed like, I couldn't see what was behind her, but what it seemed like was a village, like almost like my own village, which by the way, I've never, never been to like a Calabar. I'm from um, Aquabam. I've never been to a village. Okay. But what I imagine would be a village. Anyway, she's still asking me to come in and I'm having this experience where I'm seeing this happening and I'm thinking to myself, look, I don't have time for this. I've got work <laughs> to right, do. Right. So I, I don't have time to come into a world right now. <laughs> anyway, so she's like, no, come on through. And she's smiling. She has the most beautiful smile. She has the most, and, um, you know, I go back and forth. Um, and I'm like, sorry, I, I can't go in. I, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know. And she basically says, 
oh, that's okay, you're home. And I'm like, what? Oh and she's like, you're home, we've been waiting for you. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my gosh. And you're seeing all, so you've got like your legs crossed, your eyes closed, meditating. Yeah. And this is all going on like a, like a, is it like a dream? Kind of thing. It, means, it was a, look the only thing I could say I can use the word dreamscape, but I don't really come to that word only because again I, I read a lot and work quite widely. But it's it wasn't it wasn't a dream. I'm I'm awake. I'm alert. I just I see the thing in the in front of me. What basically. was she wearing? In, random question. She's wearing. She's wearing. She, she weird. She looks like this beautiful warrior, and she's wearing um like almost like grass leaves on her um covering her her breast. And mm-hmm. her um, lower and her lower half, so her hips, yeah, um, and her bum, um, and and you see this beautiful black flesh and skin, and and she's big. I love her size, mm-hmm. um, and her smile, and I could just see the warmth in her face and the security and safety in her, yeah. Um, and of course, I want to reach out, but I'm very aware that I don't know this woman, and mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of London. <laughs> Oh, what the hell? Um, so, but I have this experience, and I'm like, look, lovely to be you, but I've got to go. And then I hear her; she turns away from me, and I hear her say to the other people, whoever they are, "Oh, she's home. She's home. She can see us." And I, this is just such an odd, oh. odd experience. Um, anyway, oh she's like, gosh. "She's home. She can see us." And then she turns back to me, come in, and I'm like, "No, no, I'm wrapping up now." But I'm like, "No, no, I'm not going to." She goes, "Okay, no problem. We're here." Hopefully we'll see you again soon or come back soon. We're waiting for you. Like, you know, the way in Niger- Nigerians go, uh, come back, oh, you know, we're waiting for you. Come yes, back. come like, back. Oh. You know, yeah, come back. Oh. Like, you know, this this fun, light, oh, come back. We're here. We're waiting so for you. So you heard an accent and everything. I heard that a lot, you know, not how I'm speaking it to you now because for the sake of, you know, podcast, but rather my true Oh, please, Nigerian. not for the sake of podcast. Please. <laughs> Break down me. those barriers now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the true so Nigerian, like, you know, um, intonations and everything. Anyway, it was really amazing. And um, anyway, I came out of that and I remember thinking, oh, what the hell? Um, and, you know, that, that was an experience. But one thing that it definitely left me with was um, power. Um, like, yeah, feeling powerful. It was odd, but I felt powerful. I felt a connection to people that I feel I haven't well I've never experienced I've, I've, I've not felt before mm-hmm. um, but I felt a connection to my people whoever those my people were and I think I'm going to have to link it to this is I feel like I saw a warrior because of who I am now I know to me you're passionate about this in terms of names and the power of names yes but I strongly believe in the power of a name. I strongly believe that we are named what we are for reasons. I strongly believe that the meanings that go behind names are powerful. For me personally, I'm called Tara Imalbong Ekong Bolade. Bolade is my husband's name, which I've adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and individually, they mean Tara is star, a star, um, shining, shining light star. Um, Imalbong Akwaibong, and it means the love of God. Um, Ekong is my last name, original my uh, maiden last name, and it's um, it means warrior, mm-hmm. uh, mighty warrior, and Valade um, means wealth, bring the wealth, and put together, oh my, my name actually means <laughs> a star is born from the love of God to become a mighty wealthy warrior. Oh my! And I truly believe. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is just blown. <laughs> Look at my notebook. 
<laughs> I was literally writing the star. Oh my god! And like I literally was writing everything that you just said into a oh. sentence. <laughs> I could cry right now because I love how we start. I'm sorry to interrupt. So please pause your no. thought. Don't forget where no, you're no, going. No, yeah. But thank you for as you always do like this conversation that we're having right now I don't even see it as a podcast this is exactly how we talk when we have a conversation yeah, exactly. on a Saturday morning yeah. this is exactly yeah. this is not fancified no. for anyone else listening everyone else is eavesdropping yeah. into a normal conversation that you and I yeah. have. <laughs> but thank you for opening my eyes to before slavery right the yeah. conversation of be before who we were and who we are innately yeah. before yeah. this, before slavery, the power yeah. behind who we are as individuals, who we were born yeah. to be, our names, yeah. our yeah. names. That's our why I've been, like, it's not about just naming somebody because their name sounds nice. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to offend anyone who might be called John or Laura <laughs> or whatever, but because I'm sure that, you know, some of those names have got meanings and some parents outside of our cultures, you know, maybe they do look at the meanings of their names. I don't know yeah. if, that's, if that's true or not, but from yeah. our culture, from our cultural standpoint, mm. there are steps that happen before you give a child a name, you yeah. know, and yeah. those names yeah. predict the future mm-hmm. of yes. who we Absolutely. are. Yes. You are Tara, which means star or shining light. And you mm-hmm. into your like second or third meditation session, you <laughs> had a shining light. You saw a shining oh God, light. Yeah. <laughs> did you did yeah. you connect that? <laughs> she yeah. was saying your name without even saying it. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, sorry. We have just had a moment. I can't believe that you just did that. <laughs> she was saying your name without even saying it, Tara. How? How? <laughs> sorry. I've literally got my hands over my mouth right now. Because... She has got her hands over her mouth right now. Oh, oh my word. And she showed oh up as a warrior. A warrior. Which is what your yes. maiden name, Ekong, means. Yes. So wow. she was showing you... Wow. Maybe she was showing you you. Maybe. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? This is too much of a moment. I can't deal. I can't deal. <laughs> this is why I had I to, to leave. The, this, this is how I had to leave it. This is how I left the lake. I was doing my lap around the lake, having this conversation. I said, I need, I need my microphone now. <laughs> that is that so is powerful. Of course. I, of course she was saying my name without even saying my name. I didn't even put that together. Wow. That is powerful. And on that point of naming and who we are and what our names mean, I just personally believe that I am living out who I already am. I'm living out what my name has already said. Mm -hmm. So all I do every day when I wake up, you know, I'm never one of these, oh, what's my purpose? What's my, no, I know Mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. I know I am a light. I truly believe in being a life, I truly believe in being a warrior in what I do for those who, to fight for justice. I genuinely believe that this is my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever that looks like in architecture, in whatever I end up doing in the world, I just believe that my destiny is tied to my name, who is who I am. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so that's powerful. So, that's wow. so beautiful, <laughs> honestly. And I don't know, I feel like, there will be people that might listen to this that 
people hear your experience um, at, through meditation that you just explained and mm. might think that you might be going down or a dicey road of exploring mm. some other realm or world and what does that look like? And yeah. um, what I love about you is that you're not going to be dictated to by anybody to say, don't yeah. go and do meditation again or don't go and... <laughs> Don't go and do meditation again. Like, but that's that that is the reality. That there, there will be people of you know that might be like, uh, I'm not trying to open that door. But yeah, you are safe and you are secure in who you are, and that's it. it's not it. about you being. Su- it. Say it. Yeah. Say that again. You've just said it. I am secure in who I am. Yeah, I am secure in who I am. Uh, what I believe, I I am secure in who I am. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not scared. <laughs> oh my gosh um the last thing that I kind of want to I don't know if it's the last thing but whatever but one of the points that I have here on my notebook that I wanted to revisit earlier on mm-hmm. when we were talking about babalao and explaining what a bab- babalao is yeah um, I actually just put up pulled up a quick definition so oh wow a yeah. babalao is a sage or a high priest who is well versed in the rituals the the law and the mm-hmm. uh, the law as in l-o-r-e um, okay. And the history of the Yoruba tradition mm-hmm. or religion called Ifa. Um, okay. Babalawo means father in the knowledge of things material and spiritual. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, and obviously there's, you know, things associated with being Babalawo, like pr- the preparation of um, medications um, mm-hmm. that are curative and preventative. And, yeah. you know, often Western medicine doesn't quite, you know, agree with such yeah. practices. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I did want to bring up that we were talking about earlier on was actually how, you know, Ifa tradition or Yoruba religion, um, religious traditions are so akin to what we see and see in Eastern medicine yeah you know I loved what you talked about in terms of the specific example of you know people who are who who grow up in the Yoruba Mm -hmm. religious tradition maybe they're not feeling well something they've got a headache whatever that's they've had for like 10 days so they go and see about Balao and they they kind of bring the family and the community together in some way shape or form to kind of understand like what is happening right now in the family or spiritually that might be causing this headache. Yeah. Um, and it made me think when you said that about Eastern medicine, about mm-hmm. acupuncture, about, yeah. I think it's Reiki, you know, like like um, Eastern techniques or Eastern, I guess Eastern techniques that um, in, the, in the medicine world that talk about mm-hmm. the shifting of energy within the yeah. body to help yeah, unblock totally. and cure. Yeah problems yeah um super super interesting because that's a world that i've started becoming really interested in you know like why does healing and medicine have to be just the westernized way why does it just equate to popping a pill you know Mm -hmm. paracetamol or whatever it is like there are Mm -hmm. other ways that our cultures have um treated um illnesses and issues and diseases and all of that yeah yeah no, absolutely. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm very much a, a believer in that in terms of uh, recognizing that it's not just paracetamol or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever other medicine yeah. we use. Um, but that, you know, I don't know a huge amount of 
you know, both Eastern and African um, healing methods. I just know the little that I do know. I do very much believe in or starting to understand this concept of energy and the energy we have in and around our bodies and how they move. And it's, you know, shows on Netflix that definitely opened my eyes um, to things like this. There's one called Heal, um, which I found really fascinating. And I think one of the books that they talk um, about within that um, program is called, um, not the science of belief, but the, wait, hold on. I'll pull it up. I'll I love pull it up. The biology, that's it. The biology of belief and actually how, our bodies are obviously intrinsically linked to our minds and our nervous systems and all of that good stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and how we are able to heal ourselves. And this is why obviously things like diet is important because they actively (laughs) work with our body, but understanding Mm -hmm. the energy, understanding that we're all connected. I truly believe that, that we are all connected um, with the plants and the trees and and our bodies and each other. Um, And, you know, I don't know a huge amount about it, but it's something that I'm definitely keen to explore far more um, about because I, you know, I think there's so much power in that that we've just negated and we go about in society today stressed and, you know, is it is it a surprise that we are living in a social media world for all its yeah. brilliance I love? Um, but we are living in this world where people are more suicidal than they've ever been. People are more depressed than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And oh yes, we have all these all these pieces of communication that allow us to technically be closer to each other, yet we're more isolated than we've ever been in society. Yeah. Um, and more men are committing suicide than they ever have. Yeah. Um, yet we've come up in cultures where, and personally, I think this comes back to this lack of community. I really do. Mm-hmm. I really do think that it comes back to the lack of recognizing that we live in community. And this is why the diviners or babalawa or whatever local people will call them come back to this point when any, anyone says, oh, by the way, I'm ill. They come back to what what imbalances exist yeah. in community, in your direct community. Yeah. Because we are social beings. We know this, yet we don't live with that full knowledge. So for me, I'm definitely, I'll definitely be exploring that more because... Uh, yeah, I feel like this is definitely a rebirth, <laughs> an awakening yeah. of, of of beauty lies and lay in the rich heritage of African religions, of African history, of Africanism, whatever that is. Um, and you know, I, you know, I'm, I I feel lucky that I've come. You know, my my dad's from Akwaibo, my mom's Igbo, um, and I've come from a background where my parents are from different backgrounds mm-hmm. or different like ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. Like. Um, and they have these rich histories and cultures, which I haven't yet tapped into as much as I know I should be. Yeah. And how, you know, for example, when I only knew about the Biafran war after being introduced to Chimamanda Adichie and reading wow. House of the Yellow Sun. Yeah. Yet my mother lived through the war. She lived through it. She was a teenager. She lived through it. And I did not know that piece of history. I would love to and sit with your mom book. and just exactly. have her. My mom, oh my goodness, my mom, if she wrote a book, which I just, I just need her to do. I need it has to be my mission to get her to write her life story, mm. because to live through that type of war and be the woman she is, she's. Mm. I can't explain my mother. She, my mother is like a fire. She really is. She's truly extraordinary. She's an extraordinary woman, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel lucky to to have been born into my parents' world because together they really are just 
these incredible human beings that have so much wealth um, in who they are and in their cultures. And I'm yet to tap into as much of that as I can. Um, anyway, I know we've moved from diviners to babalawas to like, healing. Right. This to, is like, how we talk. Cultures. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think there's just, a, there's just a lot in there. And I guess the point of what I was trying to say is that they all even come with their own local diviners, whatever you'd call them, and their own local energy healers and biology of beliefs and their own healing or whatever, um, which is, yes, I think can be quite similar to um, Eastern medicine in many, many ways, which is still considered quite strange in the West. Still. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I talk to doctors all the time, like Western, you know, uh, doctors and, you know, I've, I've had raised like how how much do you believe in or do you rely on or are you open to you know eastern medicine and there's always that like yeah that's yeah that's something else you know you can go explore it if you want or but then there are some doctors that are you know actually open and then actually balance the two but to your point it's still very much like taboo but why is it again brainwashed well, <laughs> much. we're always taught that there's only one way. I think in this conversation that I've had with you, there are, because um, we could keep on going and you have mm-hmm. a Saturday night to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's three things for me that are like preeminent is kind of redefining my spiritual know-how, right? Mm-hmm. So by that, I mean, of course, I am a Christian, born into a Christian world, family, um, that doesn't change. Um, um, I love what it's, you know, a lot of its tenants. But when I talk about redefining my spiritual know-how is just being open to learning beyond that yeah, and not yeah. just taking it as it is what it is. Don't ask any questions. Yeah, um, yeah. I think as I grow and, you know, expand our families um, mm-hmm. and our communities, we just have to, we have to ask the right questions and we just have to, we just have to know better. We just have to know better. Um, Like I said to you earlier on, I don't believe that there's only one way to God. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd be hard pressed to say that other people who have other cultures and religions, he's saying that they're going to go to hell. Right. Really? I don't know. So anyway, redefining my spiritual know-how, that's a big one. Um, Second thing is how do we teach ourselves and our children to come to defend their ideas you know that whole conversation that we had about you know not being suppressed by I guess um those around us like how do we defend what we believe in how do we speak up and challenge and push back and defend our ideas without it always looking like we're rude or or whatnot exactly exactly yeah and then the last thing for me is building building our own tribes or building our own tables and community. Yeah. That's really important to me. Like I actually really want to just kind of think about who are the people that I know in my my friend circle that are powerful in their beliefs and whatever whatever it is that they they do that I want to really kind of connect with deeper um, mm-hmm. and create my own tribe of like killer yeah. Yeah. individual. <laughs> individuals that are absolutely amazing and have thought-provoking um, 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 thoughts to to yeah. to share with the world, and you're definitely one of them. So I'll be Thank reaching you. out to you to officialize <laughs> this tribe thing. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. What is there? No. What are the names of the books that you're reading? You're, there are two books about African history and yes. African religion. What are they called? Yes. Um, so currently, gosh, I'm I'm reading like a, a whole heap at the moment. But um, the ones that I'm going through at the moment is um, a very short introduction to African religion, and that's by Jacob K. Olupona. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. But um, <laughs> and then. Um, a very in- short introduction to African history, and that's by John Parker and Richard Rathbone. Okay. Um, cool. I'm reading Black and British by David Olushoka at the moment. I'm also watching his BBC, re-watching his BBC Black and British, which I'd encourage anyone to watch because it's, um, yes, it talks about slavery, but it gives you glimpses to pre, to, to um, Africa pre-slavery, okay. um, which I think is quite powerful. Black and um, British, is that on um, BBC or something? It's on the BBC, yes. Okay. Yes, and I think they're all episodes. I think they're about six, six or seven episodes. I think. Okay. So it's a docu series. Um. So those are the main ones. I think I've, I've bought like recently. Oh, of course, Architect. I'm watching. I'm reading. <laughs> well, I've ordered it. Uh, David Ajayi's um, um, Africa and Architecture. Um, which oh, is, cool. Which I'm looking forward to. It's been around for a while, but I just haven't read it before. So I'm okay. doing so um, in a bit. Nice. Okay, so I'll I'll find um, the links, I guess, to these resources that you just quoted. So, if anyone's <laughs> interested in our forgotten history, uh, um, then at least we can we can start to do some work through those. Tara, thank you so much. I hadn't prepared for a lightning round. Usually, I ask some fun questions at the end, but this really <laughs> is just a genuine conversation with um, you know uh, one of my bestest friends um, and I just wanted you guys to eavesdrop into it so thank you for eating into your evening time Tara not at all not at all thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here it really is a pleasure and I'm so grateful so so grateful to have you in my life very very grateful so thank you thank you very much thank you Tara